Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Happy New Fear, Fright Schoolers. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Oh, we're back with our first episode of 2021. We survived 2020, but it doesn't matter. Uh, As our highly liked Instagram uh, post, which if you're not following us, at Fright School on Instagram, but I posted a picture of Elvira looking shocked. And uh, that's all. That nothing's changed, that everything's the same. That everything is the same. All these people that it's like, oh, 2021 is finally here. I'm like, yes, I'm dragging with it all the same bullshit. And... A new strain of coronavirus. So fun. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, This is not a medical podcast. Joe, how are you? I haven't seen you in so long. Yes, you haven't. Um, I have been, I've been good. You know, it's, it's it's a very chill holiday season. I actually didn't mind it and uh, quite prefer that all holidays be like this from now on. Right. (laughs) There was no uh, dishes to clean up, no, you know, big messes. My house stayed looking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did really miss everybody, though. I will say it, it, it is sucky. So, you know. Yeah. You brought out the boneware just for you and Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The boneware. Um, no, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, but it was uh, it was an interesting holiday season as you know i watched some uh, classic some classic holiday films mm-hmm. uh so that was it was pretty fun um you know i'm uh i've got a list now for next year as well people gave me so many suggestions that it's like oh gosh i'm good for like three years i think that's <laughs> gonna be our new thing either christmas eve It'll it'll depend. It's always going to depend on when I have scary Christmas. If we, if we mm-hmm. have to do it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, then the opposite. I'll watch actual classic Christmas films, and we'll have Yule School. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I I joyfully anticipate the next Yule School. Yes, uh, a diva's Christmas Carol. Wow. Yes. Something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was a good time. I will probably watch. That's probably going to be on next year too. Uh, because hopefully you'll be able to come over. I'm hoping some of these movies I want to like rewatch with people. Like, uh, you know, me and a bunch of girlfriends were talking about doing a a drinking game with Happiest Season uh, while we hate watch it. So that'll be fun. Um, and then you and I and uh, other friends will watch a Divas Christmas Carol, and we'll all sing Heartquake and do the choreo. <laughs> I love uh, the little sleigh ride at the end, yeah. and um, you got to love a Marley Jacobs. <laughs> it was super fun. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it, it definitely took me back to that time. Like, I remember when people dressed like the people in that, you know, it was very high mm-hmm. school uh, for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is bringing up loads of memories. Um, yeah. Scrooged was awesome. That was probably my favorite. Uh, we should definitely think about doing that sometime on Fright School for next year. Mm-hmm. Just a, it's mm-hmm. a nice comedy, uh, you know, mix, uh, you know, with horror elements. Uh, Matt from Horror Movie Night had mentioned uh, he compared it to a Tales from the Crypt episode. And so that really got me interested in it. So uh, I really had fun with that. And I will definitely watch that again 
Um, I actually, I'm going to add that to scary Christmas lineups. I think that would be fun. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, I, I love Carol Kane. I yes. mean, oh, she's awesome. Give me Carol Kane. Give me like I think uh, Gabe was talking about it. It's like just a little Buster Poindexter out of nowhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it, she she was yes, definitely one of my favorite elements of the uh, movie. Speaking of her, I just rewatched um, When a Stranger Calls from the seventies that she's in. Is she in that? Yeah, yeah, she plays the babysitter being harassed by the the caller. Ooh, uh, yeah. It's funny to hear her because she's, you know, really young in it, and it's funny to hear before, like her voice kind of got, be, you know, became like what we know it as now, kind of that high pitch, like the Karen Walker thing, like Megan Mullally, like that, you know, kind of how she got to that high pitched place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to hear her when she was still like looks like she's probably a teenager or you know in her early twenties. Uh, so that, that was kind of fun. It reminded me of that movie. And so that was on, um, I can't remember what streaming service, but it popped up. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to watch this right now. So I did. We should watch nice. it for Fright School sometime, actually. Awesome. That's such a, you know, urban, giant urban legend. You know, the babysitter and the obscene caller, or murderous caller. What um, what were your thoughts on Happiest Season? Um, I just, yeah. Um <laughs> Are we going to have, let's do, let's start a new podcast where I just piss all over Christmas movies that everybody else loves. Um, No, uh, I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, again, I, I got sort of some perspective on it because I posted about it because I did. I started it and like right when she's in the car, it's like, by the way, my parents don't know that I'm. By the way, I lied to you for like six months because I told you that I came out over the window. Like, yeah, okay. I was like, okay, get out of this car and go back home, girl. Like, right now, I'm going to turn this shit off. But it also doesn't help that she looks a lot like... uh, like the girlfriend in Get Out. <gasps> totally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like gay Get Out. <laughs> yes. Well, and that my friend Zakia, you know, who's been on the show before, our, our friend, friend of the show, Zakia, uh, posted that that she's like, I kind of want this remade as like a Get Out type film because it, mm-hmm. it like is set up. It, it, it's like all the characters are there. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we both we watched it. I, I had it as part of the day. Um, I, I had like a whole gay hour. It was like or a, a whole gay afternoon. It was like a Divas Christmas Carol, the Jinx and um, Ben de la Creme holiday special, mm-hmm. and then Happiest Season. So it was just like gay, 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 gay as shit. Um, gay as Christmas. And, uh, you know, so we, b- Jeffrey came in and watched it too. We both, and we just kept going, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I had posted about it. And then, of course, like, especially a lot of my lesbian friends all jumped mm-hmm. on that post talking about how awful it was. And but one friend brought up a really good point that it she was like, yeah, it's bad. But have you watched anything else? And that is actually kind of true for my context. Like, no. I've not seen The Family Stone, which she also negatively compared it to. I have not seen a lot of the Christmas Hallmark movies, although I know they're all the same because all the posters are the same. Uh, (laughs) You know, that meme Mm -hmm. that goes around with, you know, 25 different movie posters that it's a Christmas whatever. Right, but it's like she's in a red sweater or a green sweater and he's in a red sweater or a green sweater and it's the whole thing. It's just, you know, and it's like, and they're all, you know, got lots of terrible things in them too and, you know, gross heteronormative, you know, nonsense about love and romance and lots of lying and twists and turns, you know, it's just to to get a ring on your finger, do what you gotta do. Um, 
<laughs> you know, so that, that, that was brought up. Like, you know, it's really, if you had seen all these other movies, you would just go, well, yeah, it's like any other terrible Christmas movie that just, for whatever reason, we get together and we watch them and we feel good about the holidays and ignore the, the, the toxic messaging. <laughs> Like with our conversation about Rudolph that I've had actually several people reach out to me about to discuss. <laughs> so I to discuss how similarly they were traumatized yeah, by I Rudolph. I struck a chord with that. Yeah, our whole conversation and my thoughts on it. Definitely, yeah, there's quite a few people that uh, were like, yeah, wow, that that sucks. And people well, sending me quotes, my, my quotes hmm. from the uh, episode. <laughs> so, so James and I watched... Uh, happiest season on Christmas day in the evening. Um, and I'm watching it and I'm just kind of like, okay, there, there's definitely things here that are like, not good. Like there's like very specific choices to make your main character be as shitty as possible. Right. <laughs> and, and then it's like, okay. And then they give her this, you know, this, the one, uh, I guess the one way that she quote unquote kind of redeems herself or is her is justified in, you know, how she reacted is because of, you know, whatever internalized homophobia from high school and the whole thing with Aubrey Plaza's character. Her name Harper or no Harper. Yes. That's the girlfriend who's in the closet. And then there's case too. Yes, there's Case too. There's San Junipero, right? <laughs> Who is um, I keep calling her like Yorkie from San Junipero because I think that's that same actress, uh, Mackenzie Davis. And then you have like Aubrey Plaza and all of that. And then it was my favorite. Then, like I'm like I'm the Aubrey Plaza character. That's who I'm yeah. most identified with. <laughs> well, she's like you know like a doctor living her best life, and she wore you know a lot of had, black, drank a lot, a lot of black, you know, told a lot of like. like a, yeah, it told like it was whiskey. <laughs> um, then you had like Dan Levy, who is in the gay movie, is the gay best friend. <laughs> yeah, who's tracking people on his iPhone, which I don't know. That kind of made me uncomfortable. That conversation about, but whatever. You know, again, in in this giant trash heap of <laughs> of terrible behaviors, was kind of the smallest one. <laughs> And then, like, Victor Garber, I was like, Victor Garber's your dad, and he's, like, the biggest queen of the... Yeah, yeah. it was was also gay (laughs) shit. Um, And I thought that, um, I forget, I think it was Alison Brie, you know, know, I get them all mixed up, Brie Larson and Alison Pill. Um, Alison Brie is the sister, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, This is really interesting. And so I thought it was, like, again, like, it was very... It kind of gave me Family Stone vibes, and, like, I see... I see how this is a little problematic. And then at the very end, if you're looking through like the Instagram feed of the mom and cause it's going, you know, in reverse, you see right. that he, you know, all the, they will go to the pride parade and yeah. you know, this that, and the other. And always in the photo, which was cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just, it was very, yeah, I mean, it was, I'm glad I watched it, you know, support, uh, Clea Duvall <laughs> in <laughs> well I don't know now. well and that's kind of that's really kind of the interesting thing about the whole conversation is like 
you know, and reading the press around it, because, like, obviously, it, it was a big hit. Like, I think it's got, like, an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that or whatever there it is. You know, lots of people really liked it and talked really positively about it. And, you know, it's very interesting in the straight media where it's like, well, Cleo Duvall wrote it and she's a lesbian. So, you know, it's not like the gays can blame the straights on this one. And I'm like, um, yeah, I can absolutely still blame the straights for yeah. creating the conditions that these characters have to like live in and you know what movies get funding and what you know like and sure and like i said on my post which i i wrote about you know this is some people's story some queer people do experience this story that's Mm -hmm. true and perfectly you know fine it was just like in the end what was the real message and i was just kind of disappointed in in that and again in talking to a lot of my girlfriends just who were kind of really put off by it you know but again you know, every, I, I guess everybody is welcome to pull what they want from, <laughs> you know, these kind of films. But yeah, I would it, sort of like, I, I don't know. Kinda. There was some really, like, really horrific things, like yeah. when when she finally gets caught and then, like, she just, like, says, no, I'm not. That's a lie. And I'm like, oh, like, I felt yeah. that. I felt yeah. that so deeply. Um but That's again, a really you difficult know. place, and I've known a lot of like my lesbian friends. I, I mean, and certainly, you know, plenty of our, our queer male friends as well, queer women, queer men, you know, who've been in relationships with people who are trying to maintain a straight thing around their families, and that is very hard and very awful. And I think it is a, a, a true story, you know, that can be. It's just I don't know. I think, like we've talked about in the past, you know the larger culture is super comfortable with our suffering, you know, and mm-hmm. it's going to give money to those sorts of projects because if it's a narrative, you know, I think you know, if it's these larger narratives about the struggle of being queer, you know, the struggle of, you know, of our lives and this idea that what we all want is what straight people want. And so I just think it sells this very heteronormative story. That's just not true for everybody in, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be, we, we have to be able to have both, you know, we, we should be able to make, you know, whatever kinds of films we want, tell whatever kinds of stories we want, but it's just, again, like anything else, it's like I wrote every crumb in a famine is going to feel like a state dinner, you know? And I think this is one of those situations where why can't we just have a big queer Christmas story where everybody's out and queer and that's not the, that's not the problem. You know, there can be other issues, there could be other conversations, there could be other struggles, you know, than tormented by our sexuality. It just, it felt very dated. That was the other thing about the movie. I'm like, this really fits like 20, 25 years ago when queer as folk and the L word were, you know, scandalous and, you know, and everybody was excited about two boys kissing on Dawson's Creek, you know, like that. It was such a big deal, you know? Yeah. But you can't have the names, you can't have the names attached to it in the way that, you know what I mean? Like it took 20 years to tell the, a basic story with those people. But, Um, and this is what's fascinating though, about, about the conversation. So there, like, you know, we're talking about these kinds of forms of gatekeeping and storytelling, but then on the same platform with the, the Jinx and Dela, this is why I, you know, I'm still, trying to collate all my thoughts around this and what's kind of happening because the jinx and and benda la creme special i don't know if you watched it oh i did that was on hulu like and i mean they've got like jesus christ on there as some kind of grinder trick you know (laughs) that i'm like anybody with a hulu account can access this like i can't believe that they put that on there 
you know, so it, it's kind of like mining both sides of like queer culture, like our debauchery and our extravagance and our outrageousness and that we push the envelope with like drag queens and drag culture. And at the same time, having this other movie that really reinforces this heteronormative idea that like you have to fit into a particular version of love and, and, and of family to be accepted, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just very, it's, we are living in a very interesting cultural time. In a cultural moment. <laughs> I mean, did I send James uh, the, a gay and a stranger clip? Yes, I did. <laughs> because I'm just like, this is like, uh, this is what it means to be queer at Christmas. Like yeah. you go and like, I remember um, 2016, like two weeks, uh, two weeks after the election, um, I went to uh, a drag queen Christmas with some of the Rue girls that were touring, and it was like it it made me feel so good. Like yeah. it made me feel so safe because there was all this talk about like you know we're gonna get through this. It was a very much a community thing, right? Um, yeah, that's and I was I just like, like, okay, yeah, I this is go. why I love it every year and I usually see Jackie Beats um, live show. You know, she did Minstrel mm-hmm. Krampus. She's done a Gay in a Manger was her uh, mm-hmm. one of her shows. Um, she's had a few others. You know, they're all puns like that. Uh, yeah, so it is kind of fun to see that sort of reclamation of Christmas and of poking kind of fun at the ideas around it and also what constitutes family, you know. But I don't think Happiest Season was meant kind of for that audience. I think that, you know, Clea was working no. something out, whatever it was, because she has said in interviews that it was autobiographical. So, hey, girl, po- write that story. You got a deal. You got it released on whatever it was released on. It's on Hulu. It's making money for her. So, hey, go her. Hopefully, it will open up and broaden the 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 uh, ability for more stories like that to be told. But... I don't know. I don't know if it exactly works that way either. So yeah, I, I think the best, uh, the best, the best kind of encapsulation of the film was um, my friend Jake, who is a comedian in Baltimore, and he said I asked him what he thought, and he's like, "This movie is simultaneously made for gay people, but it's also made for straight people. Yeah, like it does a I good think it job. Or made for straight people." <laughs> yeah, it it's it rides that line. Like yeah. it has all of the gay things like our as far as like representation crumbs. Right. But like, you know, this is another thing about um coming out. And I think I'm just I don't know, hypersensitive more about like the things where it's like we're still doing that. We're still like, you know, having the like overwrought coming out yeah. <laughs> of uh yeah, um, it's boring, you know. But again, I mean, I do also have to watch our like coastal elitism that we you know, are lucky that we live in the city where we live and, you know, mm-hmm. other friends of ours who live in, you know, just, I mean, it is, it can be a very different world. I mean, you drive a couple hours outside of San Diego and you can very quickly be reminded that the world is not. Yeah. You know, and some, and some, you know, queer kid living in the middle of America or even just a few hours outside of our own little city, yeah. um, whose family has Hulu for whatever reason is going to, you know, sneak and go watch it in the middle of the night somewhere when, and then erase it from the watch history. Right. Um, <laughs> 
And I'm going to you know, it's you a, also watched uh, Ben and uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, I well that's how Ben and Dela got picked up by Hulu because right. of their inclusion in uh, their little you know thing in uh, Happiest Season. So which is awesome. It's, and again, right yeah, there, you're proving you know you're you're you know proving exactly that it is possible that it will you know create space for more yeah. queer stories and more and, and things that are maybe more. Um, just diverse, you know, again, we're not a monolith, like black people aren't a monolith, like, you know, indigenous people are not a monolith, like everybody. Fight for your multitudes. And as I was reminded, neither are straight white males, they are not monolithic. Um, So. (laughs) 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 It's just a conversation I had regarding the Wonder Woman 84. So, but you know that everybody, there are lots of stories to tell. We have lots of stories, and I mm-hmm. would just like to see more more of those stories being told. I did like Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, and that's great, and you're welcome to. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't even care. Like, my whole my whole thing with Wonder Woman 84, at which I watched it, it's I'm not even at all really care about whether the film was good or not. It's more the response is fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I posted about that. I posted about the Ghostbusters um, reboot, remake, whatever the hell you want to classify it as. Like, you know, like, the internet was just, like, on fire for, like, two or three days. <laughs> and I was just like, woo, this is... This is intense. So I'm more fascinated by that, by the response, Um, you know, but everybody, I don't know. Again, this is why I'm glad we don't really review films. Like, I don't really care if a movie is good or bad. I'm curious about the cultural conversation around it. And Wonder Woman definitely brought out some very interesting conversations, especially in the idea of like who was supposed to like it. You know, and who mm, wasn't, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, I guess everybody makes a movie for, you know, they hope lots of uh, audiences find it. I'm not particularly the audience for those kinds of movies, I've realized, so I generally stay out of it. Um, but, you know, I was surprised. Uh, I had no intention of watching it because um, I didn't care for the first one. I fell asleep in it, mm-hmm. and then I had a conversation about it, you know, with our friends uh, from Intermission Productions about, like, how we found a very anti-feminist or at least we, we found that it lacked, you know, a cohesive feminist message. Um, you know, so I didn't plan on watching it, but then I watched all these people from across like a massive spectrum talking about how bad it was. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I will have to watch this cause I need to figure out what is happening here culturally. I still haven't figured it out. So <laughs> I, think, I think it'll be another 10 years and we'll look back on this time and go, Hmm. <laughs> Uh, all I have to say is Gal Gadot is a Zionist, so fuck her. God, <laughs> 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 end all be all. Um, yeah, what, Gal Gadot. <laughs> again, I just you know I just don't want to be in a position of telling people they're wrong if they like something or if they don't. You know, and I think that's yeah. kind of what I find the most offensive about any of these conversations. Is, you know, and we, and I saw it from friends, like, you know, you just didn't get it. And that just smacks of like condescension to me. Yeah. I hate that. And I'm, I'm glad that I have, I have a a you in that same mutual feeling of like, people will like what they like and let them have their joy, let them have whatever it is that they like. I mean, it's not like we're, I mean, it's, you know, again, it's not like they're, 
if they like something that is just like blatantly homophobic misogyny, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. No, it's one thing to be like, Oh, the KKK or whatever. Like I'm going to join that. Like, no, exactly. But you know, with movies, you know, none of our friends are saying like, Oh my God, I love birth of a nation. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, that's true. And it does make me want to be more mindful of that myself as well, you know, cause it's hard, you know, cause we do live in such a highly opinionated world as well. And like Mm -hmm. the media begs that. So of course you want to be like, well, that film was garbage because it's, you know, it's just you find people that can agree, and then you're all in this kind yeah. of whirlwind of talking about how much you hate. Well, it. see, that's why we can always speak from the eye. You know, make eye statements. <laughs> I did not care for it. Right. I can see how others would do. Yeah, and that's how I kind of felt about Wonder Woman '84. I'm like, I'm sure there were yeah. things that people did enjoy, and that's fine. And again, I'm not even coming down. I'm in the middle. I thought there were things that were fun. I liked seeing Kristen Wiig do something very, you know, different. <laughs> Like we made, uh, we made like um, Gilly from SNL a fucking action star. Like yeah. that's yeah, that's amazing to me. It was super fun. So you know, in that in that realm, I just there was just a lot of other things going on that I it just left me going what <laughs> a lot, you know. But again, I'm also that terrible brain that goes into those movies like the Avengers or you know whatnot. Going wait, what? Who's gonna pay for this damage? <laughs> Oh, see, and I, and I'm, and you know me, I'm all about a, I'm all about a superhero romp. I think what I enjoyed most about, um, Wonder Woman 1984 was the fact that, um, I watched like both Wonder Woman films with my parents the whole day of Christmas day. And that was nice. That's sweet. You know? Yeah. yeah, That was nice to just like, I said, Hey, I really want to watch this movie. It just came out other, you know, normally we would have to go to a theater, but like we have it in our home. So yeah, let's just do it. And that was nice to, to see them, you know, to us to escape. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's that's Joe bragging that he has parents. Jeez. <laughs> ah, dark humor to start the year off. Um, no, that's wonderful. I do mean that. That is lovely. I'm glad that you had that. It was nice. Like I said, Jeffrey and I did the same. We hung out and watched it, you know, and it was it was lovely, you know, to do something together. Mm-hmm. I got one of those too. You can't see oh my God. your listener, but um Amazing. Joe has one of those head scratcher things that has all that. I got those for stocking stuffers this year and back scratchers. Oh my God. The Orgasmatron. <laughs> yeah. It's quite lovely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, whatever. Again, l- love what you love, people. You know, don't listen to people on the internet. Um, <laughs> don't let me ruin your movies that you love and adore, like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or Happiest Season. If you got something out of it, hey, good for you. Um, that is wonderful. I just, just be, just be sure in the knowledge that I am a miserable person. (laughs) So what's interesting is, and since we are talking about this, I wasn't going to bring it up, but we are talking about it. This involves a book, which I am reading currently. Um, I know reading a book. Um, I got this for Christmas. It is called, it's by Lindy West and it's her new book of essays called, uh, shit actually. Oh, nice. Um, and what this is, is that Lindy West, um, who we know from uh, Shrill and, um, and her other book, which I forget at the top of my head right now, but um, she was once a, she also like wrote movie reviews and she wrote movie reviews of like movies that were classic movies that everybody loves. And so she, you know, approached it from a, a different lens and kind of applying a more kind of modern feminist lens on it and so in this book is her essays on several different movies 
The most infamous one is Shit Actually, <laughs> which is about Love Actually, um, which I, I, I like Love Actually. I watch it every year um, and have for the last uh, eight or so years uh, around Christmas time. And I actually showed James, <laughs> I showed James the uh, uh, Love Actually this year too uh, for the first time. But she goes in on a lot of movies. She goes in on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Forrest Gump, um, Back to the Future, Top Gun, Twilight, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park. Like she goes in on a lot of stuff. So I'm making my way through her, um, through her different essays right now. And so far, my favorite one is the one on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. (laughs) I'll have to borrow that from you when you're done. And you should, you should. I will. I'll have to send it over because it is um it's really really cool um how she's able to it like the essays range everywhere from like a BuzzFeed listicle of like the 40 things I thought when I watched X movie um to like an actual discussion about like the, you know, the trials and tribulations of the nuclear family. <laughs> so Wow. Um, yeah, I would love to read that. Very cool. It's really good. Huh. Very cool. Um, yeah. Speaking of seeing each other, have you been able to get a vaccine yet? Are you in line? Are you signed up? I'm, uh, I mean, I'm in line. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, we are, we're in line as if, you know, we're all in line. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, uh, not to get into too much detail, but I'm hoping maybe within the next couple months, but we'll see. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll definitely see about it. Yeah. I, I got mine about a week ago. So, and I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still fine. I haven't eaten anybody. Um, you know, good. Nothing. nothing my arm didn't grow another arm. <laughs> so dear listener, if you're listening to this and you're afraid, uh, don't be afraid. Cause you know, just know that your friend Joshua is not a, a zombie yet. Yet. <laughs> Don't worry, Joshua. I'll be the one to do it. All right. Sounds good. I'll be like Andrea, you know, killing her sister. I dig it. Uh, a little <laughs> Walking Dead throwback. Um, all righty. Well, with that, uh, we'll take a short break and we'll be back to discuss the new Blumhouse feature, Freaky. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, ugh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. Uh, today's episode, we are talking about Freaky, the latest. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying it like that, but it's just fun. Freaky. <laughs> it sounds very gay, yeah. um, <laughs> which is appropriate. This is a very gay film. Um, no. <laughs> but anyway, so it is the new release from uh, 
Blumhouse, we thought we would bring in the new year with a new movie, which uh, this one came out uh, Friday, November the 13th, 2020, so just a few months ago, uh, written and directed by Christopher Landon uh, from a screenplay by himself and Michael Kennedy, both queer men, Mm -hmm. Uh, Christopher Landon being the son of the late Michael Landon uh, from uh, Little House on the Prairie. And And from uh, Highway to Heaven. Highway to Heaven. Uh, There we go. Uh, we've got Vince Vaughn, Catherine Newton, Katie Finneran, Celeste O'Connor, Alan Ruck. It is, uh, yeah, best described as a, a as a little twist on Freaky Friday with a um, you know a, a horror plot. Um, yeah. So what what did you think, Joe? Let's start there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. Um... I, I liked it a lot because it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, and it was also just like, it, it had the, the suspense elements were really great. Um, I loved it also because like, as a, you know, as a, as someone who's going for my, you know, postdoc in fright school, um, <laughs> I was able to pick up on things a little bit. Like it's definitely made, as a love letter to the slasher and yeah. And, and I, I love that about it. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that when we, when I was watching it, I was like, Oh man, I'm glad that Joe has seen so many of the movies that are kind of informing this, you know, mm-hmm. cause this was definitely one kind of like scream where you really like, I mean, certainly you can go in and watch it as somebody who's never seen a horror film and, and enjoy it uh, for what it is. I'm sure. But Again, it really adds to it because there were several homages to horror films, which we'll get into. But go ahead. Um, I was also like, as you know, I was I was experiencing a lot of joy, but then I was also experiencing just like the like you know the slightest pang of sorrow because this would have been fun as a field trip with our friends to go to sit in a theater or at the very least at like at your house with you know. I wish I would have went to the drive-in. Yeah, this would have been fun at a drive-in too. Yeah, I don't know why we never went when it was when it was playing, but um, it just for whatever reason it just got away from us. But uh, yeah, it would have been. You're right. It would have been really really fun in a in a group setting. (laughs) Yeah, but overall, like it was fun. I definitely would watch this again. Yeah. Um, I kept going. (laughs) I was like, uh, see, you're because like you were thinking Freaky Friday like, you know, the Freaky Friday movies, I was thinking The Hot Chick. <laughs> oh, okay. With yeah. um, Rachel McAdams and um, Rob Schneider. And I was like, oh my God, it's like, what if The Hot Chick, if it was like The Hot Chick, but a serial killer? <laughs> yeah, I, w- I think that's fair too. Um, <laughs> you know, certainly. Uh, I've not seen that movie, <laughs> The Hot <laughs> Chick, but um, I know the basic premise of it. So I think that's a fair assessment. I just, obviously the title being freaky and then it gets mm-hmm. released on Friday the 13th. No, it just, yeah, for sure. it's uh, using obviously that. Uh, and um, we need to get, uh, we need to get Vince Vaughn as like, you know, the shape <laughs> the, in the new, uh, the new <laughs> Halloween movie. Yeah. 
really well. <laughs> yeah, I, it was really funny because I was watching it, and my my knowledge of Vince Vaughn, I'm like actually looking at his filmography is is pretty narrow. Like when I when I think of him, I think of him in the remake of Psycho, and I think of him in The Cell. And then I'm kind of looking. I nope, I'm not seeing any of this. None of this. Nothing else. Uh uh-uh, uh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Just like I don't know what any of this stuff is. Um, and then Freaky. Uh, so it's it's interesting because in reading interviews or reading um, reviews of the film, it's talking about like him doing this kind of horror turn, you know, mm-hmm. but also comedic. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I only really think of him as Norman Bates. <laughs> and then, of course, in the cell, he's the FBI agent or whatever. He's like the partner of um, Jennifer Lopez's character. Um, so. I, I, I'm sort of ignorant of his comedic work. <laughs> so it's interesting to watch this without like that knowledge and kind of seeing him doing both was really fun for me, you know, especially him playing, you know, this like big hulking serial killer who's inside this like, or who is a 16 year old girl, you know, swapping places with the 16, 17, year old, however old they're supposed to be. I'm, I'm unsure. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was quite a, quite a thing to watch. <laughs> Jeffrey yeah. and I were just like laughing a lot at it. <laughs> it was pretty good. I mean, I thought that it wasn't overly, um, you know, I thought both of them did a good job of being, you know, each other. So, and I read, um, I read some interviews um, again that they were talking about or, or the director was talking about, you know, they kind of put them together and, you know, wanted them to get to know each other and that they worked on that, you know, worked out how to kind of be, you know, the physicality of that, you know, how do you take your kind of hulking form and, you know, he sort of minces a little bit in the way he moves his hands or, you know, he's like running into things and he keeps forgetting how tall he is. And, you know, I, or she keeps forgetting how tall she is. It's so fun. Gender uh, <laughs> pronouns are fun pronouns, <laughs> you know, but it was just, I, I don't know. It was entertaining to watch in that, uh, in that realm. But uh, so, dear listener, if you've not seen it, the movie is about a serial killer who it's very, you know, very tropey. You know, he's got a mask. He's hunting uh, teenagers at homecoming. Uh, You know, kills a bunch of them at this ritzy house. Uh, One of the characters, dad, collects art or something from around the world. Gets a hold of like a magic dagger knife. And the next person he stabs is this teenage girl. Well, it happens to be Friday the 13th. It happens to be the moon is full and they swap bodies. And, uh, you know, as usual, hilarity, um, hilarious escapades ensue. (laughs) As uh, she tries to get back into her body while being hunted by the police. And... um, he in her body goes around murdering all of her friends <laughs> and uh, a really horrible teacher, that Alan Ruck uh, guy. I think she, I think, he, well, what I loved was that like, he basically goes around and kills a bunch of her enemies. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, okay, well there's a little bit of revenge fantasy there. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. There's, there is. Um, it, it's very interesting to me because yeah, this movie it got lots of homages. Halloween, uh, you know, was one, especially, um, early on when he kills the, the, so there are four teenagers that get murdered right off the bat, which there were some creative kills in there. That wine bottle, a wine bottle thing. Damn. That's the first one. (laughs) Yeah. And like shoving in his throat and then cracking the glass. I was like, that 
was pretty cool. Like that was fun. You know, like that's how you know that like horror people wrote this. Like, right. yeah, they are having a blast. Um, I looked up those bottles of wine. They are insane. Like, yeah, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, I was like, oh my! I, and when he said like, I was like, that's a Montrachet, and I'm like, and he's right, what like, do you call it? Mount Ratchet. <laughs> Mount Ratchet, and I'm like, oh, God, and he broke. I'm like, oh my God! Like, his life is over. <laughs> Uh, and then it didn't matter but um yeah but so kills those couple and then the last girl he like slams her against the wall on like a spike and then the way he turns his head and looks at her you know i was like oh that's nice a little nod to halloween um obviously you know there's uh i felt very like carrie vibes with millie and you know being made fun of and then of course her dress, the wild hair, like yeah. in front of her face. Yeah, yeah very. It just felt, it read very Carrie in that sense. Um, and then, of course, her writing, like this love poem to him, which I know in Carrie, it's the, the reverse that she likes the, the poem that Tommy writes. But I just thought it was interesting that a poem played a part uh, in that, which also just kind of echoed Carrie. Um, you know, Scream, The Shining, there's a whole scene, you know, where she slams the knife through, or he slams the knife using her body. <laughs> it's. So this is going to be fun to try to keep the all the pronouns straight here, keep everything, you know. Um, but anyways, you know, the knife, it's very much a he, here's Johnny kind of thing, so that The Shining. Uh, but then also movies like Heathers and Jawbreaker, you know, it kind of reminds me of those sorts of, um, you know, also very queer-loved high school films, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so there was there was some of that as well in it that, you know, yeah, I thought it was fun. Um it's also, you know, this is very meta, like Scream. You know, they're they're the characters realize that they're in a horror film. You know, when he's when they're running and he's like, "I'm gay, you're black, we're gonna die." It was like, I'm like, yes, that's you know very tropey. But that's the one thing about the movie that I I think is kind of a failing is that nobody quote unquote important dies. Mm-hmm. You know, like her enemies. You know, yeah, of course they're like teenage boy one two three four you know what i mean they might as well not have names you know or kind of knocked off because they're 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 only important to be gory and to kind of you know play against but you know none of her friends none of the you know none of the really important quote-unquote characters um Mm -hmm. that you want to live all of them live so i think that was a little bit of a spoiler alert but you know as usual hopefully you've seen the movie (laughs) before um listening uh you know i I think that's probably one of the the downfalls and i I mean i'm not saying i don't know who i would have killed off um although the little gay boy he's kind of rapey so that comment in the early part do you remember that yes i do remember that yeah which i liked um which i can't i shouldn't call him that i should call him by the character's name what was his name (laughs) josh Um, my name duh uh, <laughs> Josh Detmer and then Nyla uh, Jones that's played by um, Celeste O'Connor as Nyla and Misha Oshirovich as Josh Detmer so those are her friends and they're the eponymous uh, queer and black characters uh, who you do expect to die because that's usually what happens but they don't that's great uh, we did get a kid killed he was in the closet but you know that's true <laughs> Yes, yes, kill our gays. Um, but that but that was that whole conversation in the beginning of the movie. So, I, which I thought was like a red herring, you know, or not a red herring, but a um, uh, foreshadowing. 
you because mm-hmm. he made that comment about getting them drunk and sleep, you know, sleeping with them or whatever. And then Nyla's like, that's super rapey. I'm like, yeah, that is super rapey, Josh. Like, you suck. No. No. Uh, and then, of course, later on, the, junk, the drunk jock, you know, kisses him. And then it's the whole loser faggot thing and mm-hmm. all of that super, you know, you know, very cliche. <laughs> um, so what were some other like, th- oh, my gosh, the super awkward kissing with Vince Vaughn. And, and the, and I was like, the this interest. is. This Raya is what, Shelton. Yes, uh, this is what um like watching in a movie theater would be like <laughs> amazing. Like people just cracking up yeah. at like, you know, him seriously trying to put moves on um Vince Vaughn. And he's like, "Can I come to the back?" <laughs> yeah. It was, I was like, oh, like oh, "Oh, I know where this is going. This is going to be super thirsty." <laughs> yes, it was very. Um, what do you call that? Um, cringy. It was very cringy. cringy. Yeah, hashtag cringe. Uh, you know, but I got what they were trying to do, and again, it's like it. You know, he. It was cute in the sense of like. Again, it's sort of a, a conversation about gender, about who people are. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's what they were trying to do. Like, you're still Millie to me. Uh, which I thought was sweet, but you know, still I was just kind of like, this is very awkward <laughs> watching no. Vince Vaughn and try to kiss this boy. Well, I love that. Like she called, I love that she called it out. She was just right. like, like, you know, you, you do know that this body is like, you know, a killer with yellow teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'd rather wait till my hand isn't bigger than your face. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, so and I they like it was just cute the whole thing. I also just love that they went for it. They were just kind of like, okay, like just go for it and do it. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, everybody in this movie was game for anything because it's really that kind of script. Uh, you know, lots of things happening, um, lots of fun deaths again. Like we said, mm-hmm. we were talking about the uh, the bottle, um, the wine bottle being crushed. In- oh my god, might be my second favorite a horror kill ever it was that was pretty entertaining um and then i don't i mean i don't know how realistic it is obviously i mean there's you know a lot of uh, suspension of disbelief but like the cryogenic freezer thing i'm like first of all like are those a thing that high schools have for athletes i mean their high school looked like they their high school looked like it would be in a socioeconomic area that would have that (laughs) right yeah possibly (laughs) Uh, but yeah, her, that death was pretty funny. And again, reminding me of like Jason X with like the liquid nitrogen where they freeze the girl's face and he crushes it, you know, which i still am super entertained by. Like, I remember seeing that in the theater and laughing hysterically because it was just gross and fun and weird, you know, like a human slushy. And so, you know, mm-hmm. she like falls out of the thing and breaks into all the pieces. I thought that was fun. I do. I was like, you can tell gay men wrote this because the phrase clam jam is in there. Clam jam. Yes. Vegetarian. (laughs) I like how she types that. Um, yeah. Um, so did you pick up on Booker's last name? Booker's last name is Strode. Um, I noticed that when they're at the, at the game, when she's the mascot and then they throw, um, someone throws, uh, one of the football players throws something at, uh, 
at her and she looks back and you can see Booker is there and his last name. I'm like, oh, who? I was like, I saw Strode. I'm like, oh my God, which one of them is a Strode? And it's him. It's Booker. And I'm like, ah. Yeah. And so immediately I was like, okay, so you're not dying. <laughs> Because the Strodes live. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. I I did not catch that, so I think that's I see it now on the on the cast list. Because uh, they never really use it in the movie. You know? No, I think it's I think it's just for us. I think it's that's again great. just one of the things that's for us. No, that is that is great. Uh, um, that is really fun. And another, uh, you know, this is full of those, full of little homages and little touches here and there of of. Um, you know, love of horror and, you know, of the genre, you know, this isn't a movie that's trying to break any really truly new ground, you know, I mean, it uses a concept that, you know, body swapping that we're very familiar with that's in lots of science fiction and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and like family films, when you think of like, you know, body swap or like body change, like big, um, I, you know, or freaky Friday, you know, there's, there's a, it's a whole genre unto itself. Um, that's being used here but it's again it's you know just a little twist on it and then having a lot of fun with horror tropes and and um and the kills you know i loved when she killed i didn't like what the hell was wrong with her shop teacher he was such a dickhead i i so i have a theory i had a theory when i was watching this i'm like okay they were talking in the first scene where it's you know the kids around the campfire talking about the blissfield butcher yeah and how, like, you know, it was this in the 70s and all this stuff, and then he stopped, and then he came back. Part of me was just like, oh, what if the shop teacher was the first Blissfield butcher? And he just, like, retired, and, like, this is him trying to come and get him. You know what I mean? Like, I think maybe that was probably too much and too complicated. <laughs> um, yeah. But I was just like, oh, he's just an asshole. <laughs> right, but it just, yeah, exactly. It just, like, I don't see how you could get away with that. Like, you know, the way he yeah. was acting. Because it's like, you know, her dad had just died, like, you know, a year well, ago. Well, yeah, her dad just died, and then she came to school the next day after being, like, attacked by the supposed serial killer. Yeah. And he's, like, all up in her grill. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude. Total dickhead. I loved get, seeing him get it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. That was a lovely little death scene, getting sawed in half. Um, you know, that was something else I, I, I wanted to comment on was like, you know, you can almost put like a checklist together, you know, like dead dad. So grief, you know, mom is drinking secretly. So very nightmare on Elm street, <laughs> you know, you have like the bullying you have, you know, I mean, there was just lots of the elements. sisters Dewey, you know, <laughs> the sister is oh uh, David Arquette, but more capable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. She's like well, simultaneously David Arquette <laughs> and um, like David Arquette and uh, the dad from black Christmas. Right. There we go. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a good. Uh, that's a good uh, tie there. Um, but, anyways, just, just kind of felt like yeah, there's lots of tropes being played with and lots of homages uh, being made. Um, I'm curious. You know, I was trying to look and see if there was a like this kind of film. So like a body swap film, like Mm -hmm. what is, you know, like what is kind of the point of it? You know? And so usually I I found this list, 10 cliches of the body swap movie. And so, and it's talking about like, um, you know, movies like the hot chick is brought up 17 again and big, which again are maybe aren't necessarily body swap, but having that, 
uh, waking up in a body that's not the one you went to bed with. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Father Like Son. Uh, there's a, a book from the 1800s called Vice Versa, eight, or 1882, uh, that was turned into a film in 88 with Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold. Obviously, we mentioned Freaky Friday. And so... You know, so I just thought this was kind of a uh, you know a good list that some of the some of this you know obviously fits this movie. You know, there's always this is a ridiculous method of transference. Uh, is when you wish upon a star on it in that list? I don't know what from Disney Channel. <laughs> um, it's not listed here, but I'm um, sure. it has Katherine Heigl and oh, what I, is her name from Halloween? Oh yeah, Daniel uh, Danielle Harris. Daniel Harris and Katherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. I say that from 96. It is when I looked up body swap movies just in general. So freaky like comes up the skeleton key with um, um, Kate Hudson. Um, and then there's others switch. Um, you know, I also think of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's sort of an, I, you know, not exactly, but again, playing with those sorts of ideas of, mm-hmm. of, of being two different people. Um, but anyway, so we start with the method of transference. So in this movie, it's this, you know, again, like Aztec dagger, you know, (laughs) so you have this, um, which, you know, we see that in horror a lot, you know, ancient objects that are, uh, you know, possessed of some sort of power. I like this says like, as long as it can be described in trailers and posters as mysterious, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, so we have that in the knife, uh, which that whole, it's like, man, there is a lot of stuff written on that knife that the teacher is reading out. (laughs) (laughs) That whole scene was hilarious. (laughs) Um, I, I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like we're, we're making fun of it. It is still kind of like, you know, approaching cultural appropriation, approaching like tokenism of, you know, ancient indigenous culture. Right. Yeah. You always have to find that person that's going to explain it, you know, Mm -hmm. You know, holy which I, which it, and this, the, what I love about this movie is that, like, you know, no one went to a book, like, like I just looked it up online, <laughs> I right. just found it up online, yeah, and I'm like, no, this is there. how we keep this going. It's all, all there. there, except what's actually written on it, which you would think would be translated by somebody somewhere, but no, mm-hmm. that, it's too much. We can't, we can't be uh, bogged down in details. Um, comic attention paid to change in private parts. Obviously, there's that whole. Uh, scene in the bathroom where she's playing with her um, newly acquired penis. <laughs> <laughs> she's like flopping it around. Flopping and... around. Uh, which, you know, that's always something I wonder about in those kinds of movies. Um, you know, because it, it like, I think that's kind of the most, like, it's a disturbing part that usually in movies we just ignore, you know, um, the bigger conversation. You know, like, it's one thing to wake up and, oh, I'm I'm in my mom's body. Ah! I'm old, you know, like Mm -hmm. Friday or, you know, you wake up in a man's body or you wake up in a woman's body. And the first thing they do is like grab their breasts or, you know, or something like that. Like, you know, just to be like, whoa, you know, like I'm in another body, you know, but like really, I I don't know. It's just kind of like an odd thing. Like when you think about like freaky Friday, like you've woken up in your mom's body your mom's in your body. Like you're going to, at some point in the movie, you have to like undress and shower and <laughs> do things. That, you know, I'm just thinking too much, but you know, it's like those sorts of questions. So I just like how they handled in this movie that she's just like having fun. She's peeing all over the wall. She doesn't know how to use it really. <laughs> yeah. She's like, wow, peeing standing up is great. Yeah. So I thought that was, uh, 
I thought it was entertaining in a way to kind of like play with that, those concepts. Cause it is a very disturbing thing, to, especially like if you swap bodies with somebody like a family member or somebody close to you, like suddenly you now know what their whole body's like. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of a weird thing that we kind of have to not talk about in those movies. So that they yeah. work. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, so I thought it was kind of you know, silly in, in this movie. I'm kind of glad they didn't go here, but like I was almost, I, I kind of, one of my like, okay, predictions for the, for the film going into it was like, are we going to get like a Buffalo Bill type moment? You know what I mean? Where <laughs> she's, um, he's like actually really feeling himself in the body, you know, is he's just really like, Ooh, yeah, I can get used to this. And I, I like that they didn't go that way because it was more about how he was getting away with everything. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting that he had like a, a sense of style. Obviously everybody was kind of yeah. wowed by the way she looked that, that, that kind of plays with that sort of idea, but you're right. Really. It was you know, his, his interest in her, in keeping her body was more of the undetected mm-hmm. you know, of it, of being able to commit, continue to be a psychopathic killer while um, maintaining you know, yeah. not being able to completely be undetected in that. Yeah. And it was the, also the perfect trap. Like, you know, the perfect Absolutely. trap, if you're yeah. trying to get teenagers is to be like, you know, um, a young, hot, cis white <laughs> female. Um, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> um, yeah. If that's your thing, you know, that's if Jason could just get into the body of this girl, you know, then th- things would be way easier, you know, for him at, over there at uh, old Camp Crystal Lake. Um, so another thing on the list, which we kind of talked a little bit about slightly veiled pedophilic moments. Um, so I think what this is trying to say is like, usually in those like body swap movies, especially when it's like a kid, like in big, you know, we, you're watching big. And even though like, I mean, again, I have not seen big and with, in the sense that I have a conscious memory of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've seen it when I was a kid, but I have not watched it in the time, but I know what the premise is. Cause I'm not. You know, I, I'm in this culture. Uh, so I know that he, like, as a kid, makes a wish, and then he mm-hmm. wakes up, and he's, you know, Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but he's still a kid, and you watch the movie knowing that he is a child in this man's body, and then he goes and has these sort of romantic moments. Um, oh, he has, like, full-on sex with a woman. <laughs> right, which is super problematic, like, when you step back and think about, like, that he's a child. Um, but that's a thing in these movies, you know, or... I think Freaky Friday has a really uncomfortable moment with like um, Jamie Lee Curtis, it, the remake. Uh, obviously, I'm not. Um, I'm not sure. I've I, again. I haven't seen the Jodie Foster version of that movie in many years. But I think there's a moment in Freaky Friday where like um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is either is Mare, is it the dad or or something? But they have like an awkward moment where she's like, "I'm actually the daughter," or "I'm actually like." you know it's so it's Mm kind of it's weird and then also something i think awkward kind of happens with a teenager because she's actually a mom you know so it's like you know so it's those kinds of things and obviously that happens with this movie now again i'm not exactly sure how old these kids are supposed to be if they're supposed to be like 18 year old seniors because i was 18 in uh, in high school um, the Misha who plays Josh, they say that they're, um, 18. Okay. 
Well, yeah. maybe it's not as weird, but it is still kind of weird. Vince Vaughn is 50, and so <laughs> seeing him try to kiss on, you know, what appears to be a 17 to 18-year-old boy, um, it just, yeah. again, it provides that, but but we find it funny. You know, like the point yeah. is like in those movies, you find it comical um, or you for or whatever reason, I guess, if you like big, if I mean, if he has if he actually has a, a, a real romantic relationship with this person, I don't know what. We're well, there's also that. the there's also the idea of the of consent, though, right? Like right. the the whole I mean, I'm not going to get into a discussion of like, you know, the um uh, kind of like the abnormal psychology behind pedophilia, but I mean, it's the idea that they know that the, like you know, that they know that the other person, the the object of their um, desire is not of legal age, right? So, like in Big, it's like problematic two ways because it's like this kid is yes, he is a man in a in a yes, he is the consciousness of a, um, you know, of a child in a man's, you know, form. But at the same time, like, you know, the woman doesn't know the truth either. You know well, what I mean? Of course. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But still, I'm just saying like, it's an odd phenomenon, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. We, we do, we can laugh at her, enjoy it, but then we're not really able to have a larger conversation about consent and about, you know, the nature of that, um, in, uh, in culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, um, I thought that was a good point. Cause I, again, I'm comparing this to other like body swap type movies, which we haven't mm-hmm. done. Um, again, there aren't a ton in horror, uh, that are like this. So this I, I think is, is, um, you know, novel in that way of using that premise in, in a horror film. And I remember when I first saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, this should be fun. You know, the idea of it felt new, even though this is a very old, form of storytelling. Um, so that was kind of the main ones that on this list, again, this is from IndieWire of uh, 10 cliches of the body swap movie. Some of them, uh, some of the other ones are like, you know, kid as an adult acts too immature, adult as kid acts too behind the times, uh, um, spending montage, we don't have that in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adult becomes cooler, um, a big event dependent on a unique talent, we don't have that here either. Um, but you know, the idea that, oh, I'm in the wrong body and I can't star in the play or I can't you mm-hmm. know, take the team to win, you know, or whatever. I've got to figure it out. I got to do the big presentation right. and I know nothing about math or something like that. Um, the, in the no just- friend that's obviously <laughs> is here, you know, which is cute. That whole scene was really fun where they're like beating him up and he's trying to convince them or she is trying to convince them that she's actually herself in his body. Um, so you always have those moments in these kind of movies where they say, they say the the thing, you know, that they go, wait, yeah. nobody knows about that. How could you? And they do the handshake, <laughs> the whole thing, you know, so obviously that. Okay. So hard. you don't have to tell me the answers, but do you know what the three questions are? Like, that like let's say if you if you and i swapped bodies and you needed to like you as me um in my body needed to tell jeffrey what happened like do you know like the three things that you could tell him that he would immediately know it was you in my body <laughs> i mean I, they don't con- i mean i've never thought about it but i could think of some things i think in the moment that jeffrey okay. would definitely go oh my god that is you um, mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There are certainly, you know, private enough things. You know, yeah. I mean, I 
I haven't thought about this for a long time or anything. Like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have. You've been sitting. You've got it written down somewhere. It's just like in case of emergency, please break this little card, and it will right. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you carry it around in like a special case that's sealed <laughs> until needed. Um, no, that wouldn't do you any good because that would be on the other per- that'd be on your actual body. Exactly. So, it's like in case of emergency, in case of body swap, please break this. Right. <laughs> go to go to Joe's house, crawl under his bed, go to the fifth slat in the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways. Um so I, uh, anyway, my point in bringing that up was I just kind of want to compare this to other body swap movies because it does fit, obviously, a lot of those tropes. Um, like I said, it's not truly breaking new, new ground, but in in the sense of horror, it's not something I've I've ever really seen done, you know. So I, I thought that made it again a fun, a fun movie, and it also plays again, like so. You know, we're we're talking about how um, Millie's. Uh, Millie's personality is very like, you know, she's very reserved. She's trying not to be ostentatious. She's very, you know, she gets bullied. You know, she's not, she is not seen. Um, And, you know, it's interesting to kind of see that be used to the benefit of the butcher's character in her body where it's like, oh, yeah, I can just walk around and not be noticed and actually be, you know, silently attract people. Like, I'm a walking honey trap. And then you see how she's trying to play that out in his body, where she's, like, stumbling across, and she's, like, this, like, huge, you know, over six feet tall, 50-year-old killer, (laughs) you know, who she can't hide anymore. That's the other thing, too, is also she's trying to all of a sudden thrust into a body that not only is physically able physically difficult to hide but like also her face is plastered everywhere as the butcher yeah yeah it added a you know a, a sense of um urgency to, mm-hmm. to, to the movie again i think the runtime really helped it was it was not overly long it moved really fast it was it was fun um i watched it again i watched it last night and then i watched it again this morning just to um you know clarify and i was like wow i really like the pacing of this it's really fun um you know, I, I don't really have a lot of negative things to say about it. I mean, certainly we could get into um, Vince Vaughn's political life <laughs> and be, uh, you know, but I don't think that really um, comes into play in, in like analyzing the movie. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see this again in a year or two, you know, what what I might think about it again seeing it in the future. I also love how they like, you know, blatantly kind of set it up to possibly be a sequel, but yeah. then the last like five minutes, it's just, it has that satisfying ending. Yeah. Well, again, it, it gave me Halloween, you know, the new Halloween, you know, you get yeah. these th- uh, three women together to kind of take this guy down. Yes. I thought it was a very, you know, nice ending. Mm-hmm. And again, it yeah. still leaves it up for a sequel because you have the knife. So if they wanted to do a franchise of this and they mm-hmm. wanted to play with that knife again and doing body swap and kind of a horror thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, she totally sets it up too. She's like, you know, I hope no one ever sees that knife again or something like that. It, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of see how that plays into it. And honestly, like with Chris Landon at the helm, I would love to see a sequel to this. Yeah, definitely. I enjoyed um, Happy Death Day, and I enjoyed the ha- Happy Death Day too. Happy whatever it was called. Um, 
happy death day to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the use of two, um, you know, I, I thought those were really fun. It also, it, it really made me want to watch that again, the original, the first happy death day. And I also really have an urge and I probably actually will later today, watch Jennifer's body uh, maybe yes. that as well. Uh, just, you know, for the kind of the same fun caddy mayhem that ensues in that film is mm-hmm. similar uh, here. Can we talk a little bit about um, when uh, Josh's mom comes home? <laughs> Gosh, that whole sequence was so strange. Did you notice the picture? Yes. <laughs> the two of them. <laughs> Where they're like doing their like buddy comedy. Like... like- like Liza and um, Judy Garland or something. It's just like, <laughs> well, I think that's <laughs> the point, right? It's like, sure. <laughs> and then the whole thing, it's like, we're role playing. And it's like, isn't role playing a sex thing? And yeah. then he's all like, mom, I'm straight. And I'm like, <laughs> she's like, you are a lot of things, but straight is not. <laughs> Which is really, yeah. Which is, you know, a nice little twist on the form. And, right. you know, they gave, um, they gave depth. Uh, I mean, like, yes, they gave depth and character and depth and color to the queer character. Um, would have loved to know more about Nyla. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially uh, why she, you know, cause I'd be like, fuck you girl. I've seen this movie. I'm getting out of here. Uh, no. you know, so the, it, it, I mean, it, also yeah. we had a, we had a white police officer pull a gun on a black girl. To put- <laughs> yeah. I actually was very, that was kind of shocking to me. And, you know, cause it's like, she is like a child girl, like calm down. Like what is wrong mm-hmm. with you? You know? Um, yeah, that was, that was a bit, uh, of a bad choice. I think that's a, that's a very good point. Um, in, in, you know, overall, I thought the movie was fun, but yes, of course it is, you know, beleaguered by some of the tropes and horror that are not great. Um, and certainly, yeah, that was not a great image having her, you know, I mean, she's like forceful with the gun, you know, the, the police, uh, you know, the sister, it's like, you should know this girl. She's the best friend of your sister, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, it kind of should be inferred that there's no reason to draw a gun on her like that, you know? Um, yeah, that was very threatening. So yes, that, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, when that happened, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, God, no, no. Yeah, I was kind of, yeah, the, the image of that was was very uh, fucked up, you know. So, but I mean, that plays into kind of what you were saying earlier, where her status as a cop is kind of like, well, what's <laughs> what's what's happening here? Yeah. Um, you know. But again, yeah. like, you know, it, it's all about, I think, like. It's interesting being this student of right school and watching <laughs> and watching horror films now, because now I'm always about like what's the what's the real trauma? Like, <laughs> what's the real trauma that is informed you that's going to propel help you overcome the like the fake tr- the the heightened trauma of this of this uh, stuff? Or what's the secret? Right. So like when we watch the rental, I'm like the secret is that they had sex. <laughs> And so how is that going to spiral now? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Overall, I I thought this was, you know, fun. You know, again, grief is playing a role here. Uh, You know, trauma. um, You know, and then, yeah, the like high school is a horror film. 
you know, for some people. And that mm-hmm. that is never going to go away. You know, that is such a powerful trope because it is such a, a true reality for many people, you know, that high school remains, no matter how woke quote unquote, we get how aware we get, you know, I think that there's always just going to be things that are, are very terrifying about being thrown into that situation. So this plays with a lot of those ideas. And again, is a a love letter, you know, in uh, cut out letters from magazines, (laughs) you know, to horror films and uh, to, to the genre that generally, you know, does, um, has lots of, you know, bad shit in it that, you know, (laughs) about queer people, about people of color, about women. And so we do Uh see a lot of that twisted here and used in, um, I thought in fun ways. So I recommend it, uh, at least for a watch again, it's not perfect, but you know, what is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm glad that we did that. And I'm glad that we're back with another, uh, year of Fred school, got some fun, uh, hopefully, get to do some fun things this year uh if we all get vaccinated or we all uh you know don't die of the new strain if it doesn't become the stand uh (laughs) hopefully we'll get to get out on the road and travel and see people at cons again but we'll see Hopefully it's not The Road by Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just going to be you and I. Well, yeah, exactly. Walking to Los Angeles uh, with our business cards and buttons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like post-apocalyptic. Um, I imagine you like, you know, like, you know, Furiosa. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'll take that. That'd be great. I'll shave my head for that. That'll be fun. That's how you know that society has collapsed because you no longer have hair. hair. Oh, that's good. Do I have to lose my arm though? Do I need to have like the robot arm or whatever it is she has? Um, Uh, You can. I mean, it's up to you. We'll see. We'll see when we get there. Uh, (laughs) Point is, here's to another year of uh, filling your heads with our voices and uh, Joe's nightmares with more fodder to to generate them. And uh, we will see you uh, next time, right? Yes. Well, good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.